Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. But these Thursday releases are a little different. I've recently reintroduced the TGIT, thank goodness it's Thursday, solo episodes. They won't be out every week, but you can expect these episodes to drop at least once a month as a fun update and look into the life of yours truly, me, the host of The Safe Haven. Each TGIT tends to be a little bit different than the last, and I think that that's what keeps them a little bit exciting. And this one I feel like is going to have a completely different vibe. It might be a bit of a roller coaster. You might even get some tears out of me. I'm kind of feeling a little bit fragile today. So let's just see how today goes. As we jump in, I wanted to just tell you how much I appreciate you listening to The Safe Haven, to showing up as I do my best to show up week after week. It means so much. I hope you guys had a great long weekend as we approach another weekend after a short week. My goodness, feels good. (laughs) Let me tell you, like I said, in the 90-day sprints that I mentioned on the last TGIT, the weekends have been a saving grace these days too. First of all, (laughs) okay, so... I don't really like recording when there's other people in the house and there's obviously only one other person that lives here and then a beagle, but he's going to be here full time all day, every day for a while, which I'm going to tell you all about today. Typically my days for all things podcasting are Mondays and Tuesdays, and then I'll do my recordings for intros and outros as needed in the weekday evenings, but here we are. (laughs) So before I start this, I just want to fill you in that this is where we're at. Today, I had a little bit of a window of time where I could be quote unquote uninterrupted and just let myself record freely as it comes with emotions, with all of the things that I'm going to be telling you about today and not feel like I was being listened to and not even like that's a problem. But if you have anything that you're super passionate about that you put your heart and soul into, sometimes it's really nice just to have that time and that space and that freedom to communicate the way that is most authentic to you, which is what I bring into every recording for the safe haven, but very, very much so into the TGIT episodes because what's up? It's just me. (laughs) So here we are. (laughs) Okay. I do have this window of time as mentioned, but this is because Riley has decided to leave the house for the first time in a week. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. Hang on. But for now, like I said, I'm showing up to record while I have the house, mostly to myself as the beagle is snoring in the living room, but she doesn't go far from her little house these days in her old age. So why hasn't Riley left the house in a week? Also, I've okayed telling this story to all of you with Riley. He's good with it. So Riley, thank you for allowing me to fill in my favorite people. So I had been out of town, had just done a huge grocery shop on my way home and was unpacking, listening to a podcast as usual, unwinding, the sun's starting to go down. I'm just ready for the couch, watching This Is Us, which we're going to come back to full circle. Just hang on to that. (laughs) And I hadn't really heard much from Riley about where he was, but I knew that he was with his best friend. And I know that when they're up in the Alpine and with these longer days at this time of year, hearing from him when he's in a place or a zone out of reception isn't anything new. So I wasn't too alarmed. But around dinner time, as I'm just finishing up the groceries, actually, I think at this time I was talking to Jess Lee on the phone and I had just hung up when I heard Riley coming in the door. And you need to understand going into this story that Riley's pain tolerance and threshold is abnormally high 
I would say. And so when he walked in the door and I kind of turned around from what I was doing to see him walk in, his face was pale. And the way that he said, babe, I hurt my back, creaked out of his body. He was just like, babe, I hurt my back. He sounded winded and I knew it was really, really bad. So uh, we got him. I helped him kind of take off his snow pants and his socks and his shoes and whatever. And we got him down to our bedroom and onto the bed. And there was absolutely no getting comfortable for this man. He was rolling around on our bed very slowly, obviously, but in excruciating pain. There was a bulge in his mid back. So he was kind of thinking that he had done a disc in his back. But again, no getting comfortable. And then what I started to notice is if he was still at all, he was spasming like his 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 whole body and his and parts of his back spasming from pain and i i just knew that he was in so much pain but there's only so much i could do right besides encourage him to just you know rest and let's get yourself ready as slowly as possible but as quickly as possible at the same time to get your butt to the emerge so that you can have this looked at and of course he was quite reluctant because as we know going to emerge is going to mean a wait And waiting when you're already significantly uncomfortable is even worse when you're waiting uncomfortably in either a hospital bed as opposed to your own bed or sitting in a wheelchair or whatever. So I helped him get undressed and he could not bend over. Walking was a pain for him big time. We eventually got him into the shower and fortunately there's no stepping up and in. We've just got a big glass door that slides open and he was able to go into the shower and he said that the the hot water on the middle of his back was the best. So he needed that. We got him out. I had actually at that time, I had called the hospital and I just said, look, I understand that we're going to need a doctor and that there's not always a doctor there on the weekends, that it has to be a call-in basis, that there's not one like a nine to five doctor that just hangs out at Emerge. But my partner's going to need a doctor. Is there any way that I can just give you a heads up that we're on our way in and you can call? Unfortunately, that's not the protocol. They required a nurse to do all of the vitals, make the call in, do an initial assessment, and then call in the doctor. I understand that that's the protocol. It's just I was obviously trying to advocate as best I could for him in this situation when he was in no way, no way, shape, or form excited about going to emerge. So yeah, we got him dressed and got his shoes on and then drove the truck up to emerge, walked in obviously super slowly. They did all of the vitals. They gave him an injection of this pain med, asked him a bunch of questions. So over about three, three and a half hours, we were there. And thank goodness we arrived when we did because within five, 10 minutes of us having arrived and been had all of the vitals done for Riley, a man had come in and had hurt his finger. Another guy had broken his leg, actually riding the same mountain that Riley was, which is unbelievable. But yeah, so in that time that we were there, all of the vitals and the checks and everything were okay. And when they asked Riley about his pain, this is when I said about the pain tolerance and threshold being super high. When they asked Riley about his pain and they went vertebrae by vertebrae all the way down his back and asked him where the pain was and and how high his pain was on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest he'd ever experienced, uh, he said an eight. And that floored me because I knew that he was in pain, but even for Riley to say that he's at an eight out of 10 was just really eye-opening for me, even just to understand how much pain he was in. I feel like an eight for Riley Gerber is (laughs) like a 15 for an average human. So uh, he had the injections, he had some oral meds for pain, and then finally the x-ray tech had come in and come by and did an x-ray of his spine. And then when we got that back, the doctor, who was incredible, I mean, every all of the staff that we interacted with that night were just unbelievable, but the doctor in particular was great. 
She called a neurosurgeon from one of the nearby hospitals. You know, what's next? So the official diagnosis for Riley's spine injury, actually pause there. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what happened. Sorry, I'm inhaling and exhaling so much. I feel like my heart's been racing and I've been in overdrive for over a week now. Okay, what happened? Riley and his bestie were out riding the mountains as per usual for the two of them. Honestly, I'm so glad Riley's got his best friend Jay out here. Jay is such a blessing and I love their friendship. So it's not even like a boys will be boys type story. It's just really shitty luck because Riley's grown up riding sleds. He used to race back in Ontario. Like the guy knows what he's doing. It's just shit happens. So he was out and he found this cliff to jump off. Let me tell you, this boy loves his airtime. Having raced for years back in Ontario, he loves being in the air. So he found this cliff and he lipped off it and was so stoked about it, right? And Jay's like, yeah, man, do it again. (laughs) Well, having done it and wanting to have done it again, he really lipped off it this time and didn't fall off the sled. But when he came down, instead of landing on the downslope, he landed on the flat And he actually had my sled out there. And the only reason that is significant is because Riley has a shorter track sled out here for mountain riding. And when he goes backcountry and if I'm not going, he'll take my sled because it has a longer track. But the difference between his sled and my sled, besides track length and engine size, is that my suspension is quite a bit softer in the back for a softer ride and his is dialed super tight. Okay, so back to it. So he lands on the flat. The suspension completely bottoms out. So bottoms out the suspension. And then as you can imagine, just like think of it in slow motion, a sled with a rider standing up compresses the rear suspension. Riley's ass hits the seat, compresses the seat, and then all of his vertebrae compress. And then his head hit the handlebars. Like he completely collapsed into it, just like crushed everything, right? So the story that I've heard afterwards from him is that he did feel a crunch in his back and actually thought he broke his back but then was able to kind of give himself a quick assessment, you know, fingers, toes, movement, feeling, all of the things. And he knew that he had done damage, but he didn't understand just how significant it was at the time, only that he was in a lot of pain and had to ride down for almost an hour. So what's up riding backcountry? That's one of the things you take these trails and logging roads up to the Alpine to find the snow, especially during a spring ride. So the boys rode down. And then this is another thing when you think of just muscle pain and muscles under tension. So on a snowmobile and his is a newer sled too. So like the handlebars are up quite high compared to the sleds that we grew up riding. So he's putting all of his body weight into his arms, pushing up off of the handlebars just to protect his back, to keep his spine as straight as possible. Cause he's in so much pain and obviously understanding that he's done damage. So, and also at this time of years the we call them whoopy or whoopy trails or whatever, they're basically like just bumpy trails. So he's got all of his body weight pushed up onto his arms and he's got his legs obviously on the running boards for stability. And then he's throttling as he can, as best he can down. And Jay's amazing. So he was super understanding and obviously let Riley take his time. Obviously couldn't load his sled. So Jay being the angel that he is just said, look, man, I'll do it. Do you need to ride back to Nacusp? No. Riley had said, I'm going to have to sit in a truck regardless. So whether you're driving or I'm driving, I'm just going to ride home. So the drive even from where they were riding is upwards of an hour as well. And the dirt road that they were on is quite bumpy as well. So (laughs) this is who walked in the door, right? This man in agony. Okay, so now you understand what the actual situation was that brought him into the door in so much pain. So we get the x-ray back and this incredible doctor has spoken to the neurosurgeon and the back specialist and the official 
diagnosis of the pain and the injury is called an anterior wedge compression fracture. I don't know if I've got the words in the correct order, but basically it's a wedge fracture, which if you actually look at a side profile of the spine, the vertebrae in your back are almost like, they almost look like an ice cube, like a rectangular ice cube. It's his T12. So your, your spine's actually divided. So you've got your cervical spine, which is up along your neck. And then you've got your thoracic spine, which is kind of like your upper mid back um, between your, your scapulas, your shoulder blades. And then you have your lumbar, which is your base, your low back. So where the thoracic spine or your T-spine and your L-spine or your lumbar spine meet is kind of like right in the middle of your back. For anyone who wears a bra, it's almost underneath your bra strap, maybe like I guess two or three vertebrae down, depending on where your bra strap sits. <laughs> uh, so... That's what the the diagnosis was. And when we actually had a chance to look at it on the x-ray, of course, we asked the doctor for a picture of it, which she airdropped us. Gotta love airdrop on an iPhone. So we have a picture of it. And so you can see that the vertebrae above and below the wedge fracture are these beautiful rectangular looking little ice cubes in his back. And then the one of them, his T12, is way more angled in. It almost resembles more of a wedge or a doorstop. And so that's the that's the injury. Okay, so he knows what's wrong. We understand that he's got a couple options here. He can leave and request a brace. And then the brace would essentially just imagine like there's posture, there's good posture. And then there's like overextended posture where you really shove your chest out and you pull your shoulders back. There's braces available that would actually have someone with a back injury really set into that position. And then because he's considered ambulatory, which means that he walked in, he's able to walk out. They said, you're young, you're fit keep your shoulders back. Just be really mindful of your back and your posture for the next seven days. So we left. He had some pain meds to get him through the next couple of days. So that, yeah, so that happened on Saturday. So the Sunday was a whole new picture around the house here. It was just a whole new ball game to fall into as to, you know, how our day was going to go and just making sure I'm quite organized. And when you're taking these meds, they're so so strong and they make you dozy and dopey and super tired man he's been sleeping a lot but they're easy to overdo and to overdose on so I I have this whole thing gritted out I drew these little squares and we check them off as we go in the intervals whatever that's a side note but that's just like where my brain goes so when we left the doctor had said to us you need to come back within a week to get an x-ray so that we can see what the next steps will be. Because if we had have been in a bigger city center, we would have been able to go immediately for a CT scan. But we weren't able to go for that, obviously, because we live in the middle of nowhere. And it's at least a two-hour drive to get to a center that actually has a CT machine. So we left and she said a week. And then I asked her on our way out. I said, well, if that puts us at next week, that's Easter weekend. She's like, oh, you're right. Uh, okay, well, call in during the week and see if coming in on Friday is an option. And if it's not, unfortunately, we'll have to push back until Tuesday. But please don't come later than Tuesday because the first week to 10 days are really crucial to assess the progress for healing. Uh, I called in this week. The Friday, there was no x-ray tech that was going to be available. So the x-ray is booked in for Tuesday. And in full transparency, I am recording this TGIT on Monday, so we haven't had the x-ray. And the reason being is because I'm so fully loaded right now that if I didn't get this recording done earlier in the week, I might have combusted this week just based on everything else that I have on the go and trying to keep my head above water. 
So even today when this releases, we probably have more of an idea of what the next steps are. But the doctor had said that best case scenario is everything is healing beautifully. Whether we get a CT scan or not, they'll be able to tell with an x-ray basically if it's been healing properly or not. So if it's better than it was last Saturday, then Riley's just going to have to keep doing what he's doing and keep up with the pain meds and keep relaxing, keep his posture as, as straight as possible and his shoulders back. Absolute worst case scenario is a trip to the neurosurgeon and a surgical rebreak, and then having him in a brace to heal for an infinite number of weeks. So something between A and B is going to happen, and I don't know what, but I can update you if you want to reach out. I'd be happy to fill you in <laughs> with the latest, but that's where we're at. And like I said, Riley is totally fine with me sharing this with you because I know how much all of you are sending love and best wishes. Even the other day, I think I mentioned about living in a small town a couple of weeks ago, and I walked into one of the stores in town the other day, and a woman that I didn't, I knew of, but I, I don't even think I know this woman's name. She's like, hey, Amanda. And I kind of looked at her. I was like, hey, <laughs> I didn't even know you knew my name, but hey. <laughs> and she goes, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm okay. And she didn't want to pry, but I could tell, you know, that she was kind of like insinuating that she wanted to know a little bit more, like how's Riley or whatever. And so I said, Riley's okay. And she goes, oh, I've been wondering about him. I, I really hope that he's okay. Are you okay? That's a lot. It's a lot for you. That's a huge adjustment for you. And I said, yeah, it is a lot, but this is what we're up against. So there you are, my friends. That is the update. And when it comes to even my own fragile state these days, it has been a massive adjustment. I will tell you, you don't realize how much even in a partnership and in a household without children, how much a partner does around the house and how much even a creature of habit like myself really relies on routine. Both of us going to work and kind of sharing the load. So you don't realize just how much a partner or a spouse or another family member or another roommate or something does until you're taking the majority of it on yourself. And I have a hard time talking about it with him, of course, because this is such a mental game for him. He's watching his partner do everything around him. And I'm a bit militant about it. It's like, don't put wood in the fire. Don't carry that down the stairs. Sit down, relax, chill out, heal, please. If there's anything that you can be doing to help me is heal and take ownership in your healing and responsibility for it. Because the longer you're out, the longer we're out. So I've been in overdrive. That's what I've kind of digested at this point. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, oh gosh, like there's been a lot guys. And then my parents' dog died last Wednesday. Like it's a lot. I miss my family. My nephew's for his birthday is coming up next week. I'm over this pandemic. I want to hug my parents and my grandma and my sister and her kids and my friends. And I know that I have been taking on a lot but I'm trying to bring my best self into my job and keep myself happy and positive within my relationship because I know that he needs it a lot. And yeah, that's where I'm at. So I also have good things to tell you. I'm not just going to cry for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> I actually do have some really exciting things to tell you. So animal grief is real. For anyone who has lost a pet, my heart aches for you. I hate knowing that my parents are going through a really out of nowhere passing of a pet during a global pandemic. It sucks all the time, but it really sucks when at the same time as their dog 
is dying. They just entered another lockdown in Ontario and aren't able to see their friends and family. And it's just a lot of shit. (sighs) Okay, I've got this. Let's talk about some cool things. So (laughs) I mentioned This Is Us. Hi, I mentioned it the last TGIT and how much I love this show. And I think I'm feeling extra love for this show these days because I have been carrying a lot uh, mentally, emotionally, and doing my very best to give myself some extra grace during this time. But let me tell you, sometimes you, you think you might need a cry and then you watch This Is Us and then you really cry, but it feels good. I believe that crying can be so healing, so nourishing and such a release. And oh gosh, I've needed it. But I have one story to tell you. This is not like an animal grief story, but it kind of kind of is, but like a really lighthearted one. And I hope that this makes you smile because it certainly made me smile as I told Riley last night. <laughs> so one thing that brought me back to a childhood memory while watching this show was when, oh, okay, you might not have watched the show, but Randall's wife, Beth, has an incident with a family lizard, <laughs> Mr. McGiggles. <laughs> and this lizard has to end up having a funeral. Okay, so there we go. I officially haven't told you what happened, but now you know. And so I actually paused the show last night as I was thinking about this and I wanted to tell Riley this story. And I hope that my sister's listening to this because she'll have a laugh. When I was growing up, I don't know if I was, eight, let's say eight years old, and I had this hamster and had a really unique name for a hamster. Okay, it was Hammy. I know, I know. Every other person has Hammy, but I mean, like I really thought about his name and Hammy is what it was. (laughs) So I had this friggin' hamster and I know that those stupid things don't live that long, but I love that little dude so much. I even remember the pajamas that I was wearing the day I found him in a hard little rigor mortis ball in his cage. I was wearing these white pajamas that had neon stars all over them and the cuffs of the arms and the legs were bright pink. That's not irrelevant, but It just is part of my memory, so you can have it too. And my dad always made the circle of life and the passing of pets into an experience, like a learning experience, and brought us back to center. And, you know, let's really talk about what we loved about this pet and how did they make us smile? And, oh, there's so many pets buried in my parents' backyard. And Hammy is definitely back there. So I knew that my mom was going to want to wait for my dad to come home so that he could be a part of this with us. So mom just said, let's just close your bedroom door and we'll deal with Hammy when daddy gets home. So sure enough, dad comes home and we have a little burial funeral service for Hammy the hamster out in the backyard of the Lytle house. Well, what do you bury a hamster in? I'll tell you, the perfect size little casket for a hamster is a Pop-Tart box. So we had a Pop-Tart box, cut a little hole in it, like made a little flappy lid for it on the top, put some of his wood shavings in it, put this hard little fluffy hamster in it and closed the box and buried the hamster. (laughs) So fast forward a couple years and T.Y. Beanie Babies were a thing. (laughs) I had hundreds of them. I mean, what kid my age at that time? I mean, if you grew up in the 80s and the early 90s, you probably had at least 70 T.Y. Beanie Babies. I did. (laughs) So did my sister. (laughs) Okay, so then... I don't know if it was Christmas or my birthday. It was some time where I was opening a gift. It was for my sister. Dad's sixth sense of humor clearly had a role in this as well. There was a newly released hamster beanie baby. 
I don't even think I knew that there was this new friggin' release of a hamster beanie baby, but here we go. So I take all the wrapping paper off this thing and there's a Pop-Tart box. I'm like, oh, sweet. Allison's like, no, no, you got to open it. So I open the Pop-Tart box and there is a TY beanie baby hamster in the Pop-Tart box. Well, obviously I started bawling. My dad's laughing. My sister's laughing. I'm pretty sure my mom's laughing and trying to console me at the same time. Looking back now, very funny, very clever. Well done, Allison and dad. Like, I mean, you got me. (laughs) My dad still laughs about that story to this day because he said, oh, we, we did it with love or we did it from a good place. I would not recommend pulling this trick on anybody that has a lot of feelings and emotions because I think that this is a maybe it's not as funny as I think it is but I can laugh about it now just because I've healed from this moment (laughs) but anyway so there we go there's a story of my childhood that can make me smile through these tough times right now on another note completely different direction here Vanessa West And if you do not know this person, you can go and find her on Instagram. I will even link her in the notes or you can find her on my Instagram. Vanessa West is another angel on this planet and she is creating a website for me. Again, this is Monday. I don't even know if it's gonna be something that I can play around with yet by Thursday. But as soon as my website is ready to go, you will know about it. And I will send you all of the links and direct you to all of the places in my next TGIT so that we can get excited about this together because I'm so excited and I have so many exciting things in the works to share with you. So buckle up, you guys. One of the reasons that I was super keen on getting this website up and rolling, I mentioned in the last TGIT about intention and going into 2021 with intention and having that as my word of the year. Intention is something that I've gone into this website creation with and I want it up and running because I wish I had a drum roll sound, but you can just imagine a drum roll right now because on my bucket list, anyone have one bucket list? If you have a bucket list, please send me a message and tell me what's on it because, well, maybe I'll read you mine one day, but for now, I'll save you from the almost five page and still growing list of items. But there's one that I will share. It is on my bucket list to be a published author. That's right. And so hand in hand with the website release and launch of that will be where you can pre-order a book that I have published a chapter in. No way. I know. I know. It's exciting. So I actually have my first and last paragraphs here that I'm going to share with you just to kind of get you into the mood so that one day soon you can go onto my website and pre-order the book. So The Great Canadian Woman is the publishing house that is publishing this book. The book is titled She Means Business. It is a collection of stories. So each chapter is written by a different author, sharing a different story, completely different vibes. And I have a chapter in this book. So pre-orders are starting soon. And then the published version of this thing that you can actually buy and have a real copy of it is going to be out by summer. So again, I'll keep you up to date with all of the links, but I wanted to share this with you. I thought that this would kind of be a fun way to kind of wrap up today's TGIT. So here's the first and then the last paragraphs of my chapter, which at this point on Monday still has no title, but I'll let you know what the title is when it comes out. Sit down, be quiet, stop talking, quit asking questions. People think you're too much. Got it. While I was trying to play it cool after receiving this feedback from a friend during a coffee date turned, here's how to be a more socially acceptable person workshop that I hadn't signed up for, my emotions were busy taking form as a lump in my throat big enough to choke on. 
Imagine having your personality critiqued, your level of energy questioned, and your voice squashed when you thought that you were just grabbing a cup of coffee and catching up with a friend. There I was in Melbourne, Australia, 2012, a few weeks into my one-way ticket adventure to the land down under, thinking I was doing a pretty amazing job of meeting new friends and socializing as I explored this new city. In actuality, it felt like I was being steamrolled by the social police. Feeling mortified that anyone would think that I was annoying with how engaged I was in social settings, I did my best to look past the emotional devastation of that dreadful conversation to find the positive. I genuinely wanted people in my presence to feel heard. I wanted people to feel safe while speaking to me. I wanted people to know how deeply I cared about their experiences. What's a girl to do when she's passionate, curious, empathetic, and unapologetically conversational? Welcome to the safe haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. So there's the first paragraph. Here's the wrap up of my chapter. In my 33 years on this planet, I can truly say I've never experienced a ride nor a rush like I do with this podcast. Everything the safe haven entails is a form of self-care for me, but it's also proven to be one of my greatest teachers. It's taught me about the importance of consistency more than anything else in my life. It's helped me understand that I can leave a mark and create an impact on others. It's proven that numbers don't equal success. This podcast has helped me overcome limiting beliefs by keeping my soul ignited and craving more. A guest I had earlier this year told me about a quote from Humble the Poet about finding and chasing your obsession, not just your passion. Passions come and go, but an obsession will last. I'm sure if you've had any sort of passion project turn obsession, you can wholeheartedly relate to this feeling. I've found my obsession with the safe haven, and the growth of this podcast is in my hands and in my heart. I see the work that this podcast is doing. It's starting crucial and critical conversations and helping people feel less alone. Do I make mistakes and say things I shouldn't say? Absolutely, I do. But I am doing my best to lead from a place of love, and growth needs friction and discomfort sometimes, and I'm committed to that. There you have it, another episode of the TGIT. Thank goodness it's Thursday. Thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate you all so much. If you want to jump on over to Instagram at the Safe Haven Podcast, I will be uploading and posting all details there for the book. For my website, you've got to go and find Vanessa West. She is a legend. And then stick around for the next TGIT to come out where I will be updating you on all things book, website, and Riley and how he's doing. I appreciate you all so much. If you want to make my day, I would love it so much if you went and slapped a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or hit the follow button. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you next week.